and we're back with more of the Popon film. Act three, buddy. Act three. Act, th- Act three. Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film Podcast to casually stroll on in to our third and final act. And it's the third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-natural, organic, non-GMO, made with 100% all-natural baby teas movie <laughs> of the week. And this week, um, Bunny? Yes. Bunny? Um, there seems to be something wrong. Uh, Bunny, where, where is Busy Bee? Where is Busy Bee? Where is Busy Bee? Did, did you oh, leave busy at the bee. hotel, Bunny? Did bee. you leave Busy Bee at the hotel? Bunny, if she doesn't <laughs> have her Busy Bee, going to flip out. <laughs> yes, this week we get to the 12th film. In our summer-long tribute to Fred Willard with the 2000 film Best in Show. Best in Show, yes. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. First off, I'm going to put this on, which should be legally okay for for maybe a little bit. But um, uh, this, this film does not feel two decades old. This film is no, 20 years no. old. For shit's sake, this film does not feel 20 years old. Yeah, but you know, I think part of it is because the dog shows themselves, which they did a really good job representing, you know, yeah, they're kind of fucking timeless. You, you look at other films from the time. Let's look at other films from the time. Brendan Fraser's Bedazzled? Jesus. Okay, that's 20 years old. Coyote Ugly? That's 20 years old. Um, Space Cowboys. Space okay. Cowboys. That's 20 years old. Uh, Jet Lee's Romeo Must Die. Okay, that's definitely fucking 20 years old. Uh, but this film just does not feel like it was made. Two fucking decades ago. Kudos to this. <laughs> you know? But before we discuss the film, let's take a friendly trip to the Fred Willometer to see just how much Fred Willard is in this week's film. Now, Mr. Five Minutes does not pop up five minutes into the film, sadly. Yes. Sadly. That's a tie-in to another episode, because I'm tying everything together in this episode brilliantly. <laughs> The, the thing that I did like, though, there's a great symmetry to it because he pops up exactly halfway into this film. Yes. And I mean, literally, he pops up 45 minutes into the film and there's 45 minutes left. It is neat how he <laughs> right in the freaking middle. And I, I dare say, I have not seen every film that Fred Willard has made, but um, I feel comfortable saying this. Um, this is one of Fred Willard's best roles. Yes. Yes. I'm very comfortable saying that out loud. The, the way that I see it is that Christopher Guest made 
three really good movies. Um, and the rest are various shades of which you can take. <laughs> I don't want them. I don't want them. You can have them. But Fred Willard did his best with Christopher Guest and and his character in this Buck Laughlin is one of his best characters. Fun fact, legendary baseball catcher and announcer Joe Garagiola used to host fucking dog shows <laughs> in the day. And apparently he had no idea what he was doing, but he was famous and available. So they hired him and he would do these dog shows. And so that's what Fred Willard sort of, that's what his character is based on. Okay. On on Joe Garagiola hosting like the Westminster Dog Show, despite not knowing what the fuck a dog show is, <laughs> and I freaking love that. I he's like so he's much. like the world's nicest asshole. Yeah. yeah, you know, like he's completely an asshole, but he's just he's a really nice guy about it. He's- <laughs> He's a, he is, I've never, I've never seen him here. I've never seen him at this location. I don't think he's a member. I don't think he ever did this, but Fred Willard is who I think of when I think of a classic Friars Club roast. Yes. Fred Willard will make jokes at you and make everyone laugh at you and make you feel like shit, but also you laugh with him and afterwards he has a drink with you. <laughs> yes, he's making fun of you, but he's also a nice fucking dude. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just messing with you. Let's have a drink. That's Fred Willard. He's a roast. He's just like a walking Friars Club roast. Yes. You know? And most of his characters are are like that. Okay, so, Bunny, what are your preliminary thoughts on this week's movie? Uh, fun. It was fun. Uh, I, I've watched a few dog shows in my life. Um, they're not as interesting as they are long. You yep. know? Um, the, a lot, I could have done without the Parker Posey couple. You oh know, Jesus! Like okay, like yeah. they're the, um, like they're the ones that are really having a hard time stick on my brain because they just weren't that interesting. But yeah. it was an interesting group of characters. The uh, Parker Posey. Let me tell you something. My crush on Parker Posey is uh, fascinating because when you look at Christopher Guest's first three films, which are wonderful, I am in love with Parker Posey in Waiting for Guffman, and she's just like right up here, and I love her. And then when the next film comes, oh my god, I fucking hate Parker Posey. I absolutely fucking hate her. But then the third film, when she's a cult member in the new Main Street Singers, (laughs) right back up. Yes. Right back up in the outfit, singing and everything. Oh, it, it's, it's, so I, I hate her, 
in this movie. I hate her character. I hate her acting. I hate her braces. I hate the lisp that she has with her braces. Both of the characters actually got braces. I don't know what you would call yeah. installed in their mouth just for this film. So she's actually wearing braces and she had never worn braces before. So it gives her this weird lisp when she talks and it's annoying. And the worst thing that I hate about Parker Posey is that she's beautiful. But in this film, she has goddamn Ant-Man hair and and I fucking hate it. <laughs> I hate that goddamn Ant-Man hair that she has on her fucking head. And I hate it. <laughs> in the, in, in the, the first, uh, originally her character was going to be a big pill popper, but they cut it out so that they could, uh, be, so the film could get PG 13. Yeah. Cause apparently if she had been popping pills the entire time, that would have been R. But the character, two, the both of them, uh, Meg and uh, Hamilton, they were the origins of the film. Because apparently Christopher Guest had an idea, a very basic idea, and not even an idea, just just a, a theme. Anyway, Christopher Guest got a notebook and he just wrote it. He opened up the notebook and he wrote down two words. Catalog people. Okay. And that was the original basis for what would eventually become Christopher Guest's best in show. That was the original, like, I just have two sentences. I'm going to turn this into a movie and eventually it just explodes into this crazy cast of characters. So I think that's interesting. I hate these two. I hate these two. Um, they're so annoying to, 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 to quote, to paraphrase the president. I could shoot the both of them in the middle of fifth Avenue (laughs) and I would not lose a wink of sleep. So, but, but, okay. So three Christopher Guest movies. I think are the best. He did Waiting for Guffman. It bombed at the box office, but it became a huge cult hit, especially when it was released on VHS and DVD and all of that, which allowed him to then make Best in Show, which was a success. And then that was followed up with A Mighty Wind. The other Christopher Guest movies, you can have them. I don't want them. But these three, in my mind, are almost like a trilogy. And and it's backed up by the fact that you see people the, the fun thing about watching all three of these Christopher Guest films is to see the people that pop up. Yeah. You know, not just, hey, there's Dr. Alan Pearl again. Hey, there's, uh, you know, uh, I'll always have a home at the Dairy Queen. But but the little people like the the flex, uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara yes. go to visit uh, uh, friends and one of them is 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 uh, an elected official in Blaine, and the other one is Dr. Alan Pearl's wife, <laughs> you know, who who I fell in love with in A Mighty Wind. And then uh, like little people like that, like the 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 Blaine historian is in charge of the arena, and and stuff like that. So it's nice to see people pop up. And then uh, there was a there was a woman. Who has a small part in this film? Who I who doesn't pop up again until, for your consideration, which I thought was interesting. But and another thing that I really like about this movie is the fact that okay, I I so I hate I hate Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara's characters. 
Okay. And I, I thought they were okay. But the thing that I like is the fact that they're singing these horrible, atrocious fucking dog songs yeah. throughout the movie. And they're horrible at singing and the songs are really bad. But um, it's real interesting having done A Mighty Wind and then eventually going to Best in Show because it's so it, it's out of order. So you yeah. see them singing these horrible dog songs and you just know that eventually they'll be on stage at the Oscars winning, you know, like singing one of the nominees for best song. <laughs> like the same people who sang the shitty dog songs yes. will be up for an Oscar for best song. Yes. Like, like I like that. Okay. So I hate almost all of the people in this movie. I hate all of them. Yes. So let's let's go down. Let's go down the line here. Okay. Harlan Pepper, the guy who owns the Bloodhound. Yes. I swear to God I've seen him in my town. You, and you town. know he's a Trump supporter. I swear to God I have seen him at our town's Danny's at 5 a.m. opening a month's worth of mail. <laughs> and then there's the catalog people. I fucking hate them. Um yeah. And then I said this earlier on the podcast. I'm going to say it again. Uh, nowhere on the internet does it say this. Not on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Wikipedia, nothing. But Jennifer Coolidge, Cool, Cool, Coolidge's rich ass two time dog show winner is obviously Anna Nicole Smith. Yes. Jennifer Coolidge said in an interview that it's based on a stuck up person and she used to babysit this person's kids in a mansion in L.A. when she first moved to L.A. But that's obviously obviously a lie. She's doing an Anna Nicole Smith who at age 27 married 89 year old billionaire J. Howard Marshall. Yes. So that's half of her character right there. And also we know from her eventual E entertainment reality show, the Anna Nicole Smith show, she was not the sharpest tool in the shed. No. Anna Nicole Smith. So Jennifer Coolridge, you won't find this on the internet, but God damn it. She is obviously Anna Nicole Smith in this. I, I would have to agree. I think you make a strong, strong case. And I, I, I don't like, uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, uh, the flex, who end up, spoiler alert, winning the whole fucking thing. And the reason why I don't like them is that, number one, this is the film where you go, okay, Eugene Levy obviously has a type. Yes. And there's there's just not enough that separates uh, Gene Fleck from Dr. Alan Pearl in my mind, it's just too similar. Christopher Guest does a complete 180 oh, from yeah. flamboyant Corky uh, St. Clair to Harlan Pepper, who works at the bait shop yes. in the South. But Eugene Levy is basically the exact same person, except he has two left feet. Uh, yes. And also, I have dated Cookie Flex before. Well... 
everybody has. <laughs> I, I have, I have, I have a lot of pain in my life from the women that I have dated, not now, but the women who I have been with, where, where, where literally they say, "Oh yeah, no, I've done a lot of partying, and I've been with a lot of guys, and I've had a slutty face, sure, but I'm so glad to settle down with someone simple." Like you, Steve. And it's like, oh, you don't have to fucking say that. That hurts. Let's go out. And then we go out and I meet two of your ex-boyfriends. I have been in that relationship. Yeah. You know? And it just, it hurts to watch. Because I have been the Eugene Levy in that situation. So that might be one of the main reasons why I hate this. I hate all of these people except for the gays. Yeah. Except for the two gays, I fucking love them so much. I love the dynamic. I love the fact that, like, hey, here's the flamboyant one, and here's the sensible one. You know, like every like, time, I love that. every time he would come out with the dog in the dog show, I was like, my first instinct was like. Look at this guy making an entrance. And then a second later, it'd be like, look at this guy making an entrance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and also when they're explaining, when the two guys are explaining how they got together, I just love the reality of Michael McKeon saying, we like the same stuff. Yeah. That is such a realistic look at a relationship. And I just, I love that line so much. Like, oh yes, we went out a few times. We like the same stuff. It's the all American romance. That's so fucking perfect. <laughs> and also while we're talking about people we hate, I don't care who you are. No hotel manager is letting you sleep in the utility closet. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. And also, what happened to Ed, Ed Begley Jr.? Remember when he was everywhere? What yeah. is he too busy saving the planet now to be in films? Or am I just not seeing the films he's in? Um, I don't know. I, I, I rarely see Ed Begley Jr. Yeah, but back in the day, you'd see him everywhere. Yeah. He was everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know? So then, so so I don't like I don't like a lot of the people in this film. There's no one I'm rooting for except for the gays, but they're not going to win because they're the gays, which is yeah. sad. But it, it, it's a Hollywood movie, so 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 there you go. So like I'm watching the film and I'm like, oh, this is a pretty good film. Oh, I hate these people, and I and and that's like too close to home. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I hate the catalog people. Uh, Harlan Pepper is too close to home, living in a small town in Oklahoma. My wife has been gardening. We have a garden outside, and it's really pretty. And it, it, she's been working on it so much that all of the time now, we have to go to our town's Ace Hardware store. Okay. And I swear to God, every time I go, Harlan Pepper is there. Yeah. I swear to God, Harlan Pepper is there every time I go to fucking Ace Hardware store. Um, it, it, there's no one I'm really rooting for. And then you get to the halfway point of the film and God 
damn it, it gets so much better when the dog show starts. Yeah. Because I feel that there's two people that save this movie. And there's the serious British host Trevor Beckwith and fucking Buck Laughlin. <laughs> I just love them so much. Those two. I love them so much. Th- those two being together. When I was in college, I helped out the the college's uh, TV station. There was a TV station and I would help them out with things if they needed yeah. a camera in there and they would hook me up with free merch and like movie tickets and stuff like that and the 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 head of the channel had a great idea to do a sports show a half hour weekly sports show and he would have it hosted by his two friends who know nothing about sports me and some other guy and so we did two episodes of a sports show together and it aired <laughs> once on the the campus tv station and it never aired again but my it, it was a real horrible show but the part that i loved is we went to go see a college baseball game and i became obsessed with the guy in the audience ringing a bell okay. he had a cowbell and he would just ding, 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 ding. Let's go team. Let's go team. And we'd be there in the, in the like announcer booth going, okay, so a guy hit the ball. Not really sure if this is good or bad because of this guy with the bell. <laughs> who both shot up. Let's see if we can interview him. Let's go. Let's go try and interview the guy with the bell. So I, I just love Buck Laughlin just not knowing. Apparently, the actor who plays Trevor Beckwith studied dogs intensely and went to dog shows and really like went into it. And he does such a good job that that people apparently are floored at the fact that he's just a fucking actor and isn't an actual dog show judge. Yes. Which is good he does in this movie and then Fred which Willard was is- yeah which kind of had me suckered in as well until i was like yeah. wait that's scully's dad from x-files <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then fred willard's like okay i need to learn about dogs and christopher guest is like learn nothing yeah. please Go in blind. Your character will be all the better for it. So it, I just I just love the both of them. And then the show is such a big deal. So, okay. So I have two stories I wanted to mention about this movie. Okay. okay. Number one, Jane Lynch. She is the lesbian handler who helps Jennifer Coolidge's rich character. Together, they have the standard poodle. Uh Apparently, before Christopher Guest became a successful movie director, he directed a lot of commercials. And you would hire Christopher Guest if you really wanted a funny commercial. And Kellogg's Frosted Flakes wanted to start doing commercials for adults. Okay. Funny commercials, not just saying, hey, kids, try Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, but like, we want these funny commercials to go, hey, adults, you should also be eating fucking Frosted Flakes. So they hired Christopher Guest, and he had an idea to ad lib these funny commercials about a couple that uh, were hanging out at the Kellogg's <laughs> home office because they were huge fans of Tony the Tiger and wanted to see him. Okay. 
So they hired some actor who I've never heard of and a young Jane Lynch who was struggling and had been small parts and everything, but she never had a breakthrough. And so Christopher Guest hired Jane Lynch and they do they did this series of Frosted Flakes commercials. And she was so funny that like a decade later when he's casting Best in Show, he's like, okay, this is going to seem weird because no one knows who she is, but... I hired this person no one has heard of for a serial commercial yeah. nine years ago. I'm going to try and get her because she'd be great in it. So now Jane Lynch is like freaking famous and she hosts game shows and she's in all of these movies and everyone loves her. And she got her start in this film because Christopher Guest did a series of weird Frosted Flakes commercials. <laughs> and I saw the commercials and they're really cute and they're, and they're just camped out outside the headquarters and they see someone coming in. They're like, Hey, Hey, can you bring out Tony? Who's Tony? Ah, nice try. Don't act like you don't know. And then like a woman comes out and she's wearing like a cheetah print outfit and they're taking pictures. Oh my God. She looks, he looks more, he looks different. I thought he, I thought he looked bigger. <laughs> It's a cute commercial. It's basically a Christopher Guest movie in a 30-second serial commercial, but that's why Jane Lynch is famous, because of Tony the Tiger, which is weird. Okay. okay. So, second story. Best in Show was a hit. Before Best in Show, uh, Christopher Guest did Waiting for Guffman, which no one saw in theaters, which just absolutely fucking bombed. Yeah. It didn't even make half its budget. And for a film to really be considered a success, it has to at least make twice its budget back. Okay. So it costs $5 million. For it to be a success, it needs to make $10 million in the box office because whatever the budget of the film is is what they usually do for, like, advertising the film. So if you make a film and it's $50 million, you better hope that you your film at least makes $100 million for the film to break even. So Waiting for Guffman bombed in the box office, but it became a huge cult hit and people were renting it like motherfuckers. And so they said, okay, well, we'll let you do another film. And it took a while, but eventually he did Best in Show. It cost $10 million to make Best in Show. And I'm assuming most of that is just the goddamn dog show. That is an impressive set piece for the last half of the film. Yes, you got an is. entire arena. You had to create an entire dog show. You yes. had to create an entire dog show. And the reason why he had to create an entire dog show, fun fact, um, when they wanted to do this dog show film, uh, Christopher Guest went to real dog shows. Hey, Westminster Dog Show. Uh, can we do uh, a film? Can we film a movie at, at your dog show? And they said, no. Okay, what else? The National Kennel Club dog show. Hey, can we do the movie at your dog show? And they said, no. So Christopher Guest said, then we need to do our own fucking dog show. And they had to do it in one whole day like an actual dog show. And the reason why they had to do that is the actor who plays Trevor Beckwith was directing a movie 
Okay. At the time, and he said, I've got one day to be in this film. So Fred Willard only filmed for two days, and Trevor Beckwith only filmed for one day. So when they do the dog show, they do it in real time. They did the same thing with A Mighty Wind when they were doing the tribute concert. That is an actual half-hour concert that they actually did. Yeah. And so they did an actual dog show. So the movie made $20.8 million at the box office. It cost $10 million and made $20.8 million in the box office. So that's a hit. That's a hit. That's a big hit. And it was very successful. So successful. I couldn't believe this when I learned this. Blown away by this. So do you know the National Dog Show? Uh, no, I know okay. okay, Westminster. Okay, well, let me follow this up. The National Dog Show is the dog show that always plays on Thanksgiving after the Macy's Parade. I thought that was Westminster. No, it's the National Dog Show. It is not the Westminster Dog Show. It's the National Dog Show. Oh. And it might, And in my mind, I thought, oh, it's always been like, hey, here's Macy's. Here's the dog show. Then they'll replay the Macy's Parade. Then they'll replay the dog show. And in my mind, I think that has always been a thing. But no, the National Dog Show started in 2002. Because NBC saw fucking best in show in 2000 and said, oh, so this movie is all about the like Super Bowl of dog shows. Why isn't there a Super Bowl of dog shows? Could we do a Super Bowl of dog shows? So the National Dog <laughs> Show after the Macy's Parade started in 2002 because of best in show. <laughs> okay. They saw this movie and said, "Yeah, let's do a World Series of dog shows. Let's do it." And that's what they did <laughs> every year on Thanksgiving. There's a two-hour-long Best in Show uh, based dog show. Yeah, that blew my mind. <laughs> I thought that was the Westminster dog show as well. But no, it's a different dog show. There are three main dog shows. And the third one was created because Best in Show was such a hit. Huh. That's the weirdest fucking fact I could find about this movie. Well, it would have had to have been Westminster prior to that, though, though is what I'm thinking. No, it's a separate dog show. It, they still do not the if Westminster they didn't, dog not, show. Not if they did it in 2002. The the National Dog Show started in 2002. Right. So before Best that. In show, Best in Show was in the year 2000. And before that, if they showed any dog show competitions, it was probably Westminster. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But every year, the National Dog Show after the Macy's Parade is based on Best in Show. And that's really fucking weird. <laughs> that, that is really is. fucking weird. Yeah. That is. And love this movie i said to my i said to my wife i said natasha this is the easiest week i've had of the podcast because we're doing best in show i could do that i could do that blindfolded mm -hmm. i love this freaking movie that being said bunny we need to discuss something sure okay because it's the end of the summer I've still got four or five Fred Willard movies. Okay. 
I'm a when we when I came up with the idea for the summer of Fred Willard, the first thing that I said was, should we do Wally? Let's skip Wally. If you add Wally, I have five movies, Fred Willard movies still to do. But skipping Wally, I have four. He was in an Airbud film, the wrestling one, okay. where a Jack Terrier is wrestling. I have uh, a weird movie parody that, that I didn't know existed. They made a black parody of Fifty Shades of Grey called Fifty Shades of Black, and Fred Willard's in it for some reason. <laughs> okay. uh, Fred Willard was also in a Paul Rudd romantic comedy I've never heard of, where Paul, a young Paul Rudd, gets into a, a, a starts a uh, an affair with an older woman played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. And Salem's Lot, which I found for free on archive.org. Okay. So my question is, do we end it here or do we keep going? I mean, we, we, every summer we do a theme. And so do we keep going with the theme after the summer? No, I, th I think I think, and now we just really have never run into this problem before, because there's you so know. much fucking Fred Willard out there. Yeah, but I I think it's got to I I think the end of August has got to be the official close of summer. But I have never seen Salem's Lot before, right? So I don't know. Well, we've got like one more, one more show for the summer. One more show, okay. One more show because this is the twelfth, right? It's like Fred what? Willard the twenty third. Yeah. So, so one more week is what you're saying. One more week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely get through August. Sweet. In that case, Salem's Lot. 1979 in the entire thing is right there for free on archive.org. Not sure why, probably because it's a made for TV movie, which I didn't realize, but it's right there. So if any of you were watching this, you can play along at home because it's just fucking right there. I'm sending you the link right now, just to be clear, because sometimes those archive.org movies are difficult to track down. Cool. But there you go. It is right there. I've never seen it before, so it should be interesting. I've heard that it's actually scary, as opposed to some other Stephen King things, that this one is actually scary and good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So, it's made boom. for TV. Yeah. And you could feel it. You know? Yeah. I've heard the same thing about that made for TV movie, like Night of the Scarecrow, I think it's called. I've always heard that that's an excellent movie. Yeah, that it's a made-for-TV movie, so it's not it's not like gory, but that it's supposed to be really good and actually frightening and shit like that. Yeah. yeah. That and Salem's Lot, I've heard about that. Okay, so next week, we are doing, officially, let me pencil it in, next week, we're doing Salem's Lot. Boom, we can talk about Stephen King, we can talk about uh, J.K. Rowling, we can talk about whatever we want, because it's our fucking show. Right. Yes, we Perfect. can, damn it. So that's next week. That'll be fun. But now that I'm looking back at this week, whoo, 
Tony the Tiger, Anna Nicole Smith. Well, one last thing I just want to say, seeing that this is a second, a separate section of the show. Yes. Everybody, get over to the Facebook discussion group, The Pope on Film. Get involved because that's where the live video for the show is going up, and we're doing more live video now. I, I, yes. you, you could see me nodding at the screen instead of actually seeing. That's a, that's the first sign that you're transitioning from an audio show to a video show. So Yes, a lot of this is becoming more visual. Yes. Yeah, so it, it, this is a good show, and you should keep listening to it. But if you want the full Pope on Film experience, yes. you should head to our to the Facebook group yes is what you're saying yeah absolutely 100 percent agree with that but now that i'm looking back at this episode so many highs and lows uh paul mccartney john landis the murderer QAnon, kevin costner i gotta say this has been a pretty good episode this, this has, has been. been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I feel the exact same way, but I didn't want to say that because you're the one who decides that. I didn't want to step on your toes. John, yes. John Landis was a surprise treat. <laughs> yeah, especially since you just downloaded a schlock, which I did too. So so we have a psychic bond. Yes. Sheridan. So that's good. But yes, I agree. I agree. I didn't want to say I didn't want to say it was a damn good episode because I didn't want to, you know, toot my own horn or anything like that. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steven on behalf of Natasha and Emerald and Bella and Eleanor and Maxwell and everybody else. I just want to say thanks for listening and we will see you next week. You codless heathens. Do 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 cut and print. Cut and print. That was good. Oh cool. Alrighty. Bye.